And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Joe McQuillan, who after the tragic loss of his son, began to research the metaphysical and seek out answers to what happens next. Joe, thank you for joining us today and welcome. Jeffrey, thanks for uh, having me on and allowing me the opportunity to uh, spread Christopher's message, which I think uh, is is one for anybody who's lost anybody in, uh, in this world. Joe, for people who are unaware of your story, can you tell us how your son Christopher transitioned to the other side and how you were able to start communicating with him? Absolutely. So in in January 3rd, 2016, it was right after Christmas. And uh, my son was a college kid, uh, uh, very good at, at, at the partying and not as great at the uh, academic end. And he was home with a all of his high school friends. And it was the last week, weekend of that uh, Christmas break. They were all going back to school on Monday. And they, uh, 12 of them went up to uh, a friend's lake house in Wisconsin, about an hour and a half north of, of, uh, of us on the North Shore of Chicago. And, uh, and it was just going to be, you know, uh, go up on a Saturday, kick up their heels, go to a local tavern, uh, drink, shoot pool, go back to this kid's uh, lake house, um, finish the party. Everybody was getting up in the morning, going home. I was waiting. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and and a big Buffalo Bills fan. And Christopher's a big Bills fan. His little brother Will is a fan. So we were going to watch the game since Chris was home. We were going to watch the game Sunday together. And uh, <clears throat> and so I was getting ready for uh, his showing back up after after going up for this weekend and. And I texted him and I said, hey, buddy, where are you? It's like 11.15. The game, you know, kicks off in 45 minutes. And 15 minutes later, I got a uh, a text from the young man whose parents owned the lake house and said, Mr. McQuillan, Chris and three of his friends are missing. And, uh, you know, I threw on a winter coat and some hunting boots and threw my dog in the Jeep and, and started heading up north. And I, and I really did believe, Jeffrey, I believed that... Uh, I was going to find him in a boathouse with a co-ed or another cabin with a, a couple of other pals playing drinking games or sleeping over the nights, uh, festivities. Um, but instead, halfway up, I got a phone call from the uncle of the young man whose parents owned the house who lived in the area and said, Mr. McQuillan, it's no longer a search, but a recovery. All, <clears throat> all four boys had drowned. And it turned out that, you know, they you know, went to this local tavern, shot pool, went back, drank, played pong, shot pool at the house. And at three o'clock in the morning, four of them went outside. And uh, as 21 year old boys will do, saw a boathouse. Um, you know, it was a perfect storm with a partially frozen lake and a snoot full of alcohol and, and uh, partially layered, layered clothing and untied Timberland boots. And they jumped in the boat and paddled out. None of them made it back. Uh, you know, flash backwards, 15, 16 years before, I'd actually on kind of more of a journey or just a lark met with a medium. And it wasn't really successful or, or uh, impactful until he got to the very end. And he said, your dad's here and he's holding a caboose and he's telling you railroad. Now, this was in 2000. This was this was before Google search or Facebook or 
And my, my old man spent 40 years on the railroad and all five boys, we had 10 kids in the family and all five boys worked on the railroad during school. I stayed on for a bit. I was a brakeman on the railroad. So railroad was our family heritage. My uncle was a railroader. My grandfather was a railroader. If you look over my shoulder on top of my bookshelf was a railroad, a Canadian Pacific railroad lantern that in all my travels I've had with me all these years, because that was our identity. <clears throat> so when I got this message, I thought, hmm, that's pretty interesting. You know, the old man didn't give me any uh, keys to the universe or, or, or he didn't give me uh, lottery numbers, you know, but he let me know he was somewhere that was uh, accessible. Now, there wasn't any intense loss. I adored my dad, but he, he died in the 70s, mid 70s. Wasn't that, you know, early for a guy of that age at the time. So although I missed him, I didn't have the longing that I did 16 years later. When, I, when my son had transitioned. And I use the word now transition because I don't believe <clears throat> that, that energy spirit dies. I believe that we move over to another room, a better room, <laughs> nicer, we get upgraded, you know? And uh, so as I'm driving up, the thought occurred to me, if my old man, whose nickname on the railroad was Iron Joe, even though he's a really sweet man when it came to the family, if my old man was somewhere and my son crossed and he's with him, I mean, that's that nobody circles the wagons like the McQuillans. We're a we're a clan, you know. So I thought, OK, this horrible tragedy has befallen us, which it it has. Uh, what, about, what am I going to do about it? If my old man's somewhere and my son's with him, I need to figure out how to connect with that. Or, Jeff, I need to scratch it off the list of it's all hokey new age BS. One of the two, you know. Um, and that started my path. That started my journey. I was set on the journey and, and it hasn't stopped for six and a half years. You know, to this, to this day, I continue to move forward looking for that connection. So early on, we had exposure to some mediums. Sally went to my wife, Sally, who's a therapist and brilliant and wonderful. And so close to, you know, we found a tweet not long after Christopher had transitioned that he had written before that said, the two things in the world I love most in this world are my mom and my dog. Um, and by the way, that dog is with him now. So, and literally buried him, buried next to him in the cemetery, but I'll cover that later on, you know? And uh, so, uh, you know, she went to Denver because a friend of hers set it up and saw Rebecca Rosen and early on got these messages. Right after Christopher transition, I called that same medium for 15 years before or 16 who relocated to Arizona and started a phone dialogue with her. And it was amazing. It was a, you know, she told me things I wouldn't know until I got the police report. She told me things about the accident, how it happened. She told me who greeted Chris, you know, so I knew it was real. You know, I believed at this point, Jeffrey, I believed it was real. Um, so we continued and saw some mediums and, and on June 30th, 2016, six months after Christopher transitioned, um, I read Bob Olson's book, which was a fabulous book. He was a, uh, a private investigator in LA who decided to investigate the metaphysical like it was a case and became a huge convert. Um, brilliant book. I encourage everybody to read it. So uh, on that, he had a website that I didn't realize was his, where if you put in your local area, he'll you can research mediums around you with and qualified, graded and numbered. And 
So I found this guy, Andrew Anderson in Arlington Heights, which was, uh, or Hoffman Estates, which is about 40 minutes from my house west. And I thought, okay, that's convenient. So I called him. He only had was my first name and made an appointment. And to be real honest, Jeff, I was 50-50 at the time whether I was going to bail on it. It was like, this is funky. I'm not sure, you know. And uh, in the morning of the appointment, two things happened. I, uh, I, I took this, which is a, a, a bracelet that Christopher had given me when he was four or five at Disney World, and it says Dad on it. And I took it out of the drawer where it had sat for 15 years and, and put it on my put it on my wrist under my cuff. And the night before I ordered some shamrock seeds, or a couple of days before they came in from Amazon. Now nobody knows I had these seeds. I'm not a uh, a serial shamrock planter. It wasn't like I was hiding it. It was just you know, they had come in and, and I didn't even mention to sale that I was going to go plant shamrock seeds around his grave. Now, what happened, and this gives you a little insight into me, you know, is that uh, Christopher was buried in January 8th, 2016 in the North Shore of Chicago, a mile from maybe two miles from uh, Lake Michigan. Ground was cold, frozen, snowy. So I bought three plots. And my buddy bought his Christopher's godfather, bought three others. And uh, and the woman said, where do you want to, where do you want Chris to go? And I thought, let's put him on the end near this little tree. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, when the snow started melting, it was apparent that he was buried next to another couple called the Sheridans, which I'm told are very nice people. But I was livid, Jeff. You know, this was my kid. And I didn't want anybody confused whose son that was. So before the uh, the headstone uh, could be uh, uh, put in place, you have to wait for the ground to soften. And I actually had him moved over one plot. So I'll occupy the plot he was in next to the Sheridans. And I hope they don't mind that I snore. And uh, and Chris is in the middle and Sally will be on the end. And, and I will tell your readers, your listeners, you know, when you get kind of an urging, that you don't really know where it's from, listen to it, pay attention to it. Um, I kept saying, this is silly. It's going to cost money. You know, are we wasting money to move them over? It was one of the most significant things I had done since Christopher transitioned. I go to that grave all the time and it's perfect. It's exactly perfect, just like it is. Uh, so, so listen to that higher voice. It's generally from somewhere else. So I had that day, the ground, we, he had been relocated to the plot right next to it. So the ground was loose around his grave. So I, it was, uh, you know, June and I planted shamrock seeds around the grave, which still come through to this day, which is kind of cool. And uh, I went to see this Andrew Anderson and he asked for a couple of pictures of Chris and he didn't want to know anything else. And he looked at Chris and said, wow, you know, Chris was in all these pictures, like having fun and celebrating. And, and he said, you know, your son was a lot of fun, but there was a dark side too. There was a sadness and we knew that. And he abused alcohol and, and, and drugs. And, and he was, you know, he, we were worried about those moods, you know, when, when he would get down, uh, you know, he looked like Brad Pitt. We had told by mediums, he looks just like Brad Pitt. I mean, he was a beautiful, beautiful and a loving, sweet kid. He was wild and a tough kid, but we had 2,000 people at his wake, 2,000. 
Um, the funeral parlor, Grace Martinson left the funeral home open two extra hours so everybody could get through on a wet, rainy, sleet night in, in January. That's how impactful this kid was and continues to be. You know, so I had moved him over and I had gone, you know, seeing Andrew that day. And Andrew said to me, you know, Chris is telling me that you had an anniversary yesterday and it was Sally and mine wedding anniversary on June 29th, the night before, which we didn't celebrate. We were six months after burying our kid, you know, but she said, he said, you didn't celebrate, but the rest of the family came together on the other side. <clears throat> I'm from a big Irish Catholic family, 10 kids. So there's a lot on the other side. And, uh, and he said, uh, Chris acknowledges you're wearing the bracelet he gave you, which was under a cuff. And he said, Chris acknowledges that you're at his grave planting something. That's the moment. That's that aha moment, Jeff, that I went from believing to knowing. And it was, okay, I'm all in. Buckle up, you know. And I tell people, you know, dig in, buy in. You know, if, if it doesn't work for you, we'll re refund all your misery, right? But the difference of knowing your child is nowhere versus somewhere and somewhere where you can connect to is substantial. Right. So I will tell you that I'm, I'm a I'm a different guy than I was prior to January 3rd, 2016. It's not like I was a pirate or, a, uh, you know, but but I was a little a lot more selfish and uh, and worried about myself. And, uh, you know, there's a there's a quote from a Japanese poet, Haruki Murakami. Do I look like a guy that would quote Haruki Murakami, you know, uh, and he said, once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through how you manage to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain. When you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what storms are all about. So I wasn't about to let this event, a bell that couldn't be unrung. I couldn't change it, but I couldn't let it go without A, trying to connect with my son and B, finding myself changed because of it. You know, I wasn't going to let it be a waste. You know, so my focus has been on since that time. I had no intention of writing a book, much less two. You know, I was taking all these medium sessions. And then I'll explain the downloads for the, the spirit writing. And I was putting them in a book or I was putting them in legal pads and, and, and dating them, stapling them, putting in a, a date file. And on the anniversary was crossing, which was... Um, January 3rd, 2017, uh, uh, I had started waking up at three o'clock in the morning and coming into this office, which is my home office, but it was Christopher's bedroom as a kid. So it's a, it's a happy place. I would feel him here. I could sense him here. I could sometimes against, I think, you know, I'm thinking I might have gone a little crazy. I could smell him here like a, like a locker room, a teen. Um, so I'd come here because I felt comfortable. I'd listened to a guided medication meditation. I started aligning my chakras. Um, you know, I light sage. I have candles. I'm holding, I'm holding a crystal. You know, I've, I hung up my hockey skate three years ago. <laughs> you know, I don't look like a guy that would, this would be my path, but it is because it's that important to me. So on that anniversary, I was sitting in this room and I was writing, uh, I was meditating, which is something that I tell parents you have to do. People say, I'm not good at it. I say, get better. 
you know, work on it. You know, there's amazing guided meditations out there, you know, and uh, it, you can just put into your headphones and, and let it rip, you know. So I started going through this and all of a sudden I picked up a pen and started writing. And, and the first message was like, Dad, you're not going to believe it. This is incredible here. The colors are beautiful. They're pink. They're vivid green blues. He said, the air is love, but it's air. He said, it's never cold. It's always good here. And I, I'm writing down and wondering if I left the reservation here, Jeffrey. You know, this wasn't something that I was exposed to. And then he said something that's that, that, that in, in reflecting, I knew it wasn't me making this up so I could feel better about this horrible loss or this broken heart. He said to me, uh, Pop, and, and Nancy in the medium said, he's calling you early on. He's calling you something. It's Pip or Pap. And it was Pop. He would call me Pop, you know. And Pop when it was playful and Dad when it was serious. Uh, and so he'd say, Pop, you know, you got to let go of this resentment. You know, it wasn't Scotty's fault. I loved him. He loved me. We were pals. Uh, and, and, I've, and Scotty was a young man whose parents owned the lake house. And I was mad at him because uh, I had to be mad at somebody, Jeff, right? And, uh, and I'm Irish and, and they say Irish Alzheimer's is where you forget everything but the grudges, you know? And, and I was mad and, and, and they were a little too privileged and a little too uh, lackadaisical. But the truth of the matter is this event could have happened at my house. You're not going to control 21 year old boys. This could have happened anywhere, you know, but, so, but I said, okay, you know, for you, I'll let go of this. It, Chris, I'll do this, you know, but I wasn't ready to. And besides, I thought, when am I going to see this kid again? Right. So fast forward 12 hours. It's the anniversary of Christopher's crossing. Sally and I were going to meet at the grave. I wasn't going to the office, of course. And, and, and we were going to meet at the grave at sundown and launch a Chinese lantern. Now, I will tell you that in the in the few years since then, I've actually mastered Chinese lanterns and I no longer set the prairie grass in the in the graveyard on fire, which I did a few times, you know. Um, but I uh, uh, I got a text from one of his friends that said, Mr. McHugh, a couple of us are going to meet at the grave at three o'clock, 3.30. You know, can you join us? So I grabbed the hockey cooler, threw some ice and beer and Gatorade and box of cigars and Figure I'd go up and hang out with two or three college friends. When I got there, there were 40 kids <laughs> at the grave. It was amazing. It was like watching, you know, the clown cars where these kids keep coming out of cars. And there was kids from his uh, childhood to his middle years, to his college years, high school, college years. I mean, amazing. Every, you know, all these kids are still so close to us. And uh, one of the first kids I saw was Scotty. And, and instead of being... Uh, resentful, or instead of ducking him, I went up and embraced him. And I realized, holy cow, you know, Christopher prepared me for this moment. You know, wow, that's a powerful kid, you know, powerful source, you know. So, so that was the first year. And from then on, I've been getting downloads a couple times a month, you know, for the last five and a half years. And I do the same thing. I write them down, put them in order, I get up in the morning and edit them while the, the message is still fresh because my handwriting's like it is, you know, the nuns would have been livid. And, uh, and, and then later on, I, 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 you know, I thought, you know, these are, these will be 
yeah, I'll put these in binders that I could just read later on when I'm sitting on a when I'm sitting on a rocking chair on a deck, you know, relaxing. I can read this to feel close to my kid. You know, and the Greeks used to say that man plans and gods laugh. You know, <clears throat> my intention was they have this for me. And their intention was for me to write a book for other parents who've lost kids, you know. And so a uh, number of months after Christopher transitioned, um, actually uh, just over a, a year and a few months, I'd started doing this. And and I heard Sally uh, speaking to her her brother who was, came in for a visit and talking about Christopher playing hide and seek. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm trying to find him now. And I got to let other parents know how to do this. It was a message from Chris to write this down and share. So my journey's been that, you know, I, it, the first book is, is, is the first two years, every visit, every medium visit. We had a amazing Rebecca Rosen, you know, and 300 people came up and said, your son's here. Um, he's, he's wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt, Hawaiian shirt. He's, he's telling you Jimmy Buffett. He's quoting a, 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 a a country song called live like you were dying. And, and that's a song that we do as a band that is golf outing that keeps us together. He named, she said, you know, Cooper's with him, which was a, a Japanese chin dog that they had in the fraternity that Christopher was tight with, you know? So she said, there's a dog named Cooper with, you know, this is 300 people in the middle of a hotel, you know, and, and said, that's, that's validation, you know? So the rest of it's my part. You know, I got to tell you, I, I remember being with uh, Jen Weigel, who's like a Pied Piper of the metaphysical in the North Chicago area, North Shore area. And and when we were doing a presentation and a woman kind of resentful said, yeah, my sister's been gone for three years and uh, and I haven't gotten anything. And, and I looked at her and said, yeah, well, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing to enhance that? You know, Jeff, I bet, you know, I'm, I'm older. So I remember the days that cell phone, you know, you, you couldn't get a good, uh, you, you, you couldn't get a, a good signal. And so you'd move on a, on somebody's patio or down to a dock or whatever to get a signal. And that's what we got to do when we're reaching out to people, you know, souls on the other side. I believe, I believe that what we've got to do is, is, you know, raise our level of consciousness. See, we're here and they're here. So through meditation, we can raise our level of consciousness. Mine's always three to four in the morning here, but I'll meditate at his grave. You know, and I know he doesn't live there, but it's a good place for us to connect. In the second book, I wrote a chapter on thin places where the veil is thinnest between both worlds. It's an Irish term, you know, but it, but it, there are in, in my thin places, sometimes are the same as yours and sometimes completely separate. I'm sure this office would not be a thin place for you or your or your or your, your your listeners, but I'm sure they have their own that wouldn't be for me. But then there are certain places like Lilydale in upstate New York, which is the oldest spiritual community in the country, where I, I I couldn't imagine it's not for anybody. I went to Sedona expecting to be wowed by it, and instead, I was kind of uh, underwhelmed. You know, it wasn't a big place for me. You know, so what I'm telling people and parents especially or loved one, somebody who lost a significant other, is you got to do your part. You know, I remember early on, I, I have it here. I bought, you know, I read as much as I could. I downloaded everything I could. 
There's a book called, you know, Complete Idiots Died to Communicating with Spirits. You know, you got to do whatever you got to do if it's important to you. And if it's not, then go get another hobby. But if you've lost somebody significant and you're feeling that yearning, you know, put a little time in. You know, one thing I will tell you about um, early on, you know, I, when I drove up there, to claim his body. And I, I, I'm looking out a window in my office and I can look out the picture window to this day of the emergency boats on the lake and flashing lights. And, and you're in shock and you're just a, a bit of a mess. And there's kids in the corner and cops walking around and, and, and you just don't know what to do. And your heart's broken and you're in shock. So, but I had a, I'm a very responsible guy you know, maybe to offset the fact that I was not a responsible young guy. Um, and, and I would get home and I had all these arrangements to make, you know, funeral parlors, plots, masses, receptions, you know, readings, all the things, uh, get a suit for my youngest, you know, boy and, and all the things that are on the checklist. And it was exhausting. And every night I'd hit my knees and I've been sober 37 years. I was wild as a young man and, and was very grateful that, that God relieved me of that compulsion a long time ago. But I get on my knees and I thank God for my family and my sobriety. But I said, we're not good, you and me. You, know, you took my kid. And on the third night of this, I got in the bed and I got a download from God, which is pretty nice, you know. And he said, I didn't take your son. His recklessness and free will caused him to come home early. And I welcomed him. And remember, I lost a son too. So that allowed me, Jeff, to know that God didn't pull the rug out from under me. God wasn't making me pay for my past sins by taking my son. You know, my son's free will caused something to happen that was tragic. And, and instead of God making this happen, I believe God was grieving with me. You know, and my strength, my relationship with God got much closer than it's ever been. There's a wonderful book called The Shack about a young man, about a man who lost a, uh, a, a daughter tragically. And, uh, and he met God um, through a coma. And God said, just because I work incredible good out of unspeakable tragedies doesn't mean I orchestrate the tragedies. Don't ever assume that my using something means I caused it or that I needed to accomplish my purpose. That will only lead to you to false notions about me. So, you know, that's what I'm trying to do to work. God's work an incredible good out of unspeakable tragedies. And maybe I can bring some hope. Maybe some warmth, maybe some answers parents who've lost kids to think it might be over. And that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. You mentioned that Chris was greeted by somebody on the other side. Who was yeah. that? So funny, I just looked this up 10 minutes ago. So my niece, Carrie, died of an aneurysm in 1993. She crossed over. And she was in Buffalo, a wonderful gal, two wonderful adopted young kids, four and two Korean boys that she couldn't have kids and her, and her husband adopted them. So we went to the funeral and afterwards they were, you know, all the details and 
And we were packing and Chris looked at me and said, he was working in Vermont at the time, living there. He said, I'm staying. I said, what do you mean you're staying? He said, you know, Bill doesn't, Bill's got to get his, you know, business back in order without Carrie. And they haven't arranged any childcare and they're, they're panicking. So I'm going to stay and take care of the kids until they can figure that out. So for two months, Chris, you know, took kids to preschool and washed them and made lunches and wiped their noses and butts. And, and, and when he crossed, Carrie's the one who greeted him. I think it's a thank you for taking care of her kids. And he literally said, Carrie, what are you doing here? Cause he didn't know at that point in time, you're not sure what happened. You know, he said he, it was like falling asleep and waking up somewhere else. And then the rest of the family came in, you know, you know, a cool thing that, his aunt Marsha was my sister, Marsha, and a big source of love for me. And when she was getting ready to transition from cancer, um, he said, Dad, I'll be there the second she crosses. And so will Jerry, Billy, Bobby, Pat, you know, um, and they all were. And he said to me, after she transitioned, he said, you know, she came and joined the family. Then she had to go somewhere like a spa. And when she came back, she was younger than when I even remember. And I couldn't figure out what that was. And I took a little time to get some clarity. And basically, she, she crossed due to cancer. And the cancer stayed with her body on this side, but the trauma crossed with her. So she had to go somewhere, a healing place, for that to be worked out. And then she joined the family. And he said, Dad, she was younger than when I was a kid you know, and lighter full, and they're all together. I get messages. I was, I, there's a famous medium called Thomas John, and I was in a group of Sally and I, 250 people. And he kept looking over his shoulder and he goes, you know, there's this family that these members just keep showing up. And he goes, frankly, they kind of scare me. And Sally looked at me and she goes, you know, it's your family, right? And I go, yeah, probably. And he said, all right, there's a guy named Jerry, but his name isn't Gerald. And I said, and he said, and there's Pat, Bobby, who took his life in the 70s, Billy, and there's a young man who's, who's a son. Who is this? So I raised my hand. I said, Jerry's name was Jeremiah. And I said, and my son uh, is Christopher, who transitioned. And I mean, he named all of those people out of the blue. You know, I showed up spontaneous. I didn't, wasn't invited to this reading. I didn't send in, I showed up, you know, impromptu. And, uh, and then he looked at Sally and said, who's Sally? And, Sally, and I said, Sally's my wife. He goes, no, no, 100-year-old Sally on the other side. And that was her grandmother. Her grandmother, Sally, lived to 100 years old. And, and she said, you know, she doesn't say much, but she's always with you. Now, I'm going to tell you, here's like six for six, this guy just nailed. And you wonder, you know, uh, you know, Buck, this is for real people. This isn't party tricks, you know. This is somebody just a rice paper wall away that wants to connect with you. Do your part. Jump in. Do you feel that people on the other side want to communicate with us, but we have to make the first step and, and they're waiting for us to make the first step? You know, that's ex exactly. I mean, I wish I, I couldn't put it any better, Jeffrey, that they're like outside in the window knocking, you know, it's like, but you've, you know, it's, remember that book, The Secret? It's a wonderful book right? It was actually a woman's book, supposedly, but I've gotten so much out of that book. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and basically they talk about the universe. You got to go first. 
you know, you got to ask, you got to go first. So I think by me seeking Christopher out was the signal that I went first. And yes, you know, you got to keep digging in deeper, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's a little funky. I mean, I wasn't sure what I was going to feel about this past life regression, but if it connects me closer to Chris, I'm in, you know, and it turned out to be amazingly, I did it last week and it was amazingly rewarding. You know, and it, what it tells me is that Chris and I, as I suspected and been told by mediums, Chris and I had been through a myriad of lifetimes together, and they just took me back to one that was an amazing one, where we weren't father and son. It was older brother and little brother. We were siblings, which we had been, I had been told that we were siblings in another lifetime. So, you know, that's me doing the, I got to go first. You know, I got to make the effort. They'll dumb it down. They'll, they'll lower their level of consciousness to get to us, but we've got to raise ours and that takes work. So if it's important, you know, you know, I, I send out a, an attachment. My email is jbmcquillan at gmail.com. If anybody needs to reach out and I could send you these attachments. I have steps for connecting, which are the steps that work for me um, and everything I've done, I've picked up along the road, right? I didn't, none of this is, is new. I love when people talk about new age, right? New Age, when it was the 12th century uh, 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 poet said that, uh, Rumi said that, that um, goodbyes are for those who love with their eyes, for those who love with their heart and soul. There's no such thing as separation. It was 12th century, <laughs> you know. So what's new about that new age, right? And another thing I have is a chakra chart that I put together, you know, and and those are important. You know, I, um, I stop it. When I'm meditating, I, I align my chakras, you know, and I stop at each level, inhale, seven seconds, exhale, say Christopher's name. Now it works for me, right? So I'm going to continue to do this, like being on a hitting streak. You know, we talked about sports analogies, right? I'm not changing my batting gloves if I'm on a hitting streak. And so I continue to do the same things, then I enhance it. You know, I, I carry siesta key sand with me. It's quartz crystal. It's 99% quartz crystal. I thought it was an urban legend. You know, I researched it. It is. So now when I'm writing or before I talk to you, I sprinkle a little bit on the desk. So I have something on my fingertips. I mean, I keep adding to this repertoire so that I can continue to get closer. So yeah, what I'm going to tell you parents is your heart's broken. You're, you're grieving, you're hurting, but get off your butt and do something to connect because they want to connect with you. Susan Giesman, brilliant writer. And I met her out in Arizona and she's actually read Chris for me and I adore her. She's amazing. She wrote a book called Still Right Here. And I steal that when I'm signing books. I'll put your kids are still right here. And they are. You just got to get rid of doubt, get rid of doubt and dig in and do your part, man, do your part. You mentioned something earlier that I haven't heard before. And that was about the thin places between here and the other side. Are you saying that those are physical places or times of days or both? Physical places. Now, I think there are times that, that, that enhance, that they're even thinner, right? Okay, so I'll give you an example. In November of 2016, Chris had been gone about transition about 11 months. I went to my best friend's wedding who had lost his his. Wife Debbie, 15, 16 years previous to cancer, and marrying a great gal, and uh, that Debbie actually said that she picked out for, her, right? And and so I went to where we I was going at this wedding. The last thing I wanted to do was travel. The last thing I wanted to do was travel, 
And I had been to Arizona to talk to the boys at Imbalance Ranch where Christopher had worked and, and went to for a year and, and, uh, and, and, and came home and then, you know, a month later I was back on an airplane, which I would have hated to do, but I love Alan and it was a wonderful trip. And, and I, would, I left the wedding as I always do. I see Irish goodbye, Jeff, for you, you just disappear and everybody thinks you're still there. Right. You know, and you don't make eye contact. You just keep going, you know? So I actually opened the door. We were outside having a cigar with a bunch of guys and, uh, and it was nice. And there were champagne were popping inside. My, I, the wedding festivity, the party was in full run. And, and it was time for me to go anyhow. So I opened the door to an Uber for a woman and then just kept going. Went to my car, you know, put the GPS to a beach, took me to Lido Beach. And then the next night took me to Siesta Key. And 11 o'clock at night, rolled up my pant legs, took off my shoes, walked in the sand, smoking a cigar. And I just felt this amazing overwhelming sense of Chris Thomas John later on said that, that that those two nights he walked through me and it was amazing. I'd never felt that closeness. So the, the, that, and it, that's when I found out that Siesta key actually was quartz crystal and that the Indians consider it sacred. So we go there pretty much every year and I go there at night and I launch Chinese lantern where I lay on the beach and I feel Chris around me and I talk to him, but it's, that's a sacred place for me. That's a thin place, but it, that's a thin place for a lot of people. I felt the same thing on Lido, even though Lido's beach is not quartz crystal. It was a very, it turned out to be a very, very thin place. The grave, uh, sacred heart cemetery that I moved him over one is a thin place. We connect there. I feel him around when he's there. This room is so the you know, around my son's grave or this room wouldn't be for some other readers, but they've got their own. Sedona was a thin place. I'm told that the vortex has shifted. That's why it's not as powerful as it used to be. But I didn't know that at the time. I was really disappointed in it. And uh, uh, and it wasn't what I expected. Then I went to Inbalance Ranch, which is in Sierra Vista in the middle of the desert. It's a, a, a boarding school for boys. And, uh, and they do... Uh, aquatic or, or, or horse therapy. And it's an amazing, I didn't buy into any of this before. And now I go out there once a year and talk to the boys out there. They suffer from addiction, boys from 14 to 18, but walking those grounds, I just feel Chris all through me. So that's, and they, they, they named a, a fire pit after him and, and put up a new bunkhouse and call it McQuillan Manor. You know, we were, and we, we, we contribute, we do golf outing and, and it's just an amazing spiritual place. But that, that desert is sacred. It's a thin place for me, you know? So I think everybody has their own thin places. And then there are certain thin places, like I walked into Notre Dame Cathedral and just started weeping. I had no idea why, you know? So I think there are some that are just shared thin places that are thin places by nature and some that are thin places with only individually, you know? Uh, and so you got to find yours and it's worth working at, looking, trying, figuring out, you know, where's that sacred spot? You know, people have erected uh, uh, benches on places that were important. You know, um, I did a meeting, I, I did, Andrew Anderson, a wonderful medium. And he asked me to come to a spirit out group. And I, yeah, I don't like groups, but I, I, cause I love Andrew. I went and a woman, we were talking about, he mentioned thin places and he was reading from my book, our book. And, uh, and the woman said she next to me, she just lost her husband and didn't know where she should 
leave his ashes. And Christopher sent me in a, in a meditation a song from the Saw Doctors that I hadn't thought of in 20 years called uh, a line called The Green and Red of Mayo. And the line is, where the ocean kisses Ireland. And he said, share that with her. I said, okay. I go, hey, hate to intrude. <laughs> Chris said to share where the ocean kisses Ireland. And she said, oh, my God. You know, our, my, our happiest place was on the mountains of Moor overlooking the sea. Now I know where I'm going to take his ashes. And that night she went home and made reservations to fly to Ireland and, and shed his ashes in the Irish Sea. That's a thin place for her, right? And, and thankfully, Chris brought that message aside. So more than anything now, I'm just a vehicle of, of his messages, his insights, his words, his wisdom, you know? Yet being the same funny, smart, kind of smart-alecky kind of kid that he always was, but so loving, you know? Has Chris ever gave you any information about higher selves? Well, uh, he... he he tells me I have to listen to that higher voice. He tells me that all the time. And he tells me I'm evolving. He also tells me, he, I remember I was visiting with a medium and said, are you writing a book? I go, yeah. He said, well, Chris says, let's get going. And I said, I'm writing as fast as I can. And Chris said, look, dad, you know, your message is important, especially to fathers, especially to fathers. And you don't look like somebody that would carry this message. And that's important. He said, that's why you're a good ambassador. So don't stop. You got to keep going. You know, so he tells me that he's also made reference to the source, which I, I interpret as, as whatever God you think is God, you know, the energy, the beginning, the I am who I am, right? The source. And he's made reference to being that, that they're in there, his presence, that's his domain. All of this is. You know, he said to me one time, Jeff, he said, look, your world's good. He said, think of your world as football camp. And I played a little ball growing up. He said, you know, think of your world as football camp, you know, where it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. It's, you're, it's in the middle of August, you're sweating, you're beat up, you know, you're exhausted, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, your muscles hurt. He said, but your friend, you're with your friends and you're competing and you're happy. He said, that's your side. He said, your side's okay. He said, my side is a beach bungalow in Maui. My side's better. You know, so the message that he's telling me is that our world is, is full of strife. You know, and there's joy and love and mirth, but it's strife. But the next world is just, you know, it's like friggin' going to Disney World. You know, it's, it's the bomb. And we all got that comment, you know. And I laugh because people go anywhere for the weekend. And they'll research it, you know, good restaurants, good hotels, but we're all going to the other place <laughs> and, 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 and not enough people are concerned about what's that like, you know, where are we going? Me, I'm, you know, I've still got work to do on this side, but if God touched me on the shoulder and said, time to go, I lived a life beyond my wildest dreams on this side. I got to be Christopher's dad for 21 years on this side. And then when I cross over, we get to be together again on that side can't go wrong, man. The reason I asked about higher selves is because I'm wondering about reincarnation. And I think you mentioned that you've lived life's, lives together before. And I'm curious if a part of us stays there forever, which is our higher self, and another part of us reincarnates. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And yes. 
So let's talk on two levels. One, he said to me one time, pop, I'm, I'm moving up a level. He said, but don't let that freak you out. He said, it's like me calling you from Tucson or Los Angeles. The connection's just as clear. It doesn't matter that it's you know a few thousand miles more. He said, so our connection's always going to be the same. And Bob Olson, in his book, um, talked about spirit and soul. And this is the best way I can describe it, is that think about a body of water, Lake, Lake Michigan. And that's our soul. Because I was worried, I was worried, Jeff, that I was going to cross over and Chris and I would pass on the metaphysical highway, him coming back. You know, and I didn't want to deny him another turn, but holy cow, I want to see the kid. So the best way to describe it is that all our souls are connected. And in this huge body of water are individual waves, which is our spirit. So the spirit of Christopher McQuillan, 21-year-old son of Joseph McQuillan, will always be on the other side. Even though another wave of that same soul, who is Chris, will come back here and be a father, which is something he longed to do. And I've got messages that he wished he could have been a father on this side. So he's coming back to do that. But my son, 21-year-old Chris, will be there when I cross. You know, and, and the count can be anywhere from 40 to 80 lives we've lived, you know. And so we take this one so seriously. It's like, dude, lighten up. You know what I mean? Lighten up. Um, and I do it. You know, the economy is the rates and all that stuff. Oh, my goodness. And then I, then I, then I get a glimpse of, you know, how serious is this? You know, lighten up. You know, and Chris tells me, lighten up, you know, focus on what really matters. And what really matters, Jeff, is love and service. You know, I live my life two ways. But I told you, I'm a different guy. I live my life to please my God and to make my son proud. And as long as I follow those two tenets, I can't go wrong. Right. And that's how I live. And that's what matters to me. You know, being of service, you know, being kind. Right. You know, three things are three things. This world are important. Number one is to be kind. Number two is to be kind. Number three is to be kind. You know, I follow that, too. What are some of the most surprising things Chris has told you about the other side? I mean, the description of that you can have everything you want. You're just not sure what to do with it. Um, that it's all family that it's, it, it, it's like a family party that he can join anytime he wants, that my dad's with him. He's mentioned angels, you know? So I don't know if those are as much surprising as awakenings or validating spiritual awakenings for me, for sure. Um, you know, and that he can influence things on this side. So he'll say, you know, I worried about his little brother who was wild like he was and like me. And he said, dad, I got it. I got it. It'll be fine. You know, I mean, it's kind of a general overall telling me to take it easy. He told me he didn't like <laughs> Caroline's, my daughter, Caroline's five years ago, her, her boyfriend, but he said, don't worry. She, he won't be sticking around long. And he was gone, you know, but she, you know, medium told Sally, that Caroline was going to meet somebody significant in the fall. And she did, 
you know? So I think he's up there mixing fire and ice and lovingly trying to guide this, his, his siblings here. He wasn't a great brother. He wasn't. He, like most older brothers, was a little dismissive and a little abrupt. And, and he struggled with certain things like school where, where like Caroline was a great student. But he didn't see the hard work that she put in. It was like the duck who's under, you know, looks like he's gliding, but under underwater, those legs are paddling, man. And so he knows that now and he realizes and he makes amends. So I think what the most surprising is, you know, I just assumed they'd be up there doing their job. But while he said to me, Pop, you're not taking me away from anything. I could do my job and still be with you. You know, which was reaff reaff you know, reaffirming for me that. You know, I'm not deterring his emotional or spiritual growth, um, but that they have so much influence on people that they love on this side, whether we're open to it or not. What are some of the other messages that Chris has for humanity as a whole? You know, after the whole Florida thing, this was cool. And this is how the, the messages are changing a little bit. But for the whole Florida thing, he said, you know, you know, he used we, meaning the big we, like we're all part of God, that we didn't cause this. You know, this happened by nature. You know, this wasn't what God did to test people. Although he said, he was, used the term source, was very pleased at how people were helping each other. But it's not a test that he doesn't do that to us. You know, that that things happen in this world and what we do with it is what matters, you know. Um, so he wanted people to know that. He sent me a message just the other day that I posted on Helping Parents Heal that said, look, you know, you matter. You know, and, and he basically said, when you lose a child, you wonder if you matter anymore or if what matters crossed with that child. And one of the reasons you matter is that when there's a grieving parent, you know, and they call themselves, and they're wonderful, and I'm, I call myself too, a, a, a shining light parent. So somebody hurting, you might be the only example of a shining light parent they ever see, you know. So do your part, reach out, you know, help each other. You know, a, a problem halved is a problem solved. You know, drop the rock. You know, I reach out, and it's, parents, if you've lost a kid, look up helping parents heal. It's run by Elizabeth Bosson, who's an absolute angel on earth who lost her own boy um, and started this amazing group. And it's online. And, and actually in January, uh, Sue Erickson, who's a phenomenal uh, medium, author, uh, coach, past life regressionist, and I are going to do a joint meeting together on January 24th and helping parents heal. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm on the way to the office, I'm dropping off couple of books sending out to people because I want, you know, one guy lost a job and couldn't afford a book. So what, what am I going to do? You know, tell him to hold off to get a job, to get a book that might help and raise your spiritual awareness. I'm mailing it to him, you know, and if I take care of God's people, he's going to take care of me. And I'm making Chris proud. Before we started talking, you mentioned that Chris also had some near death experiences. Yeah. Can you tell us about those? Sure. The first one was he had flipped a uh, pickup truck when he was working at the ranch. And this, you know, I remember Sally going to a parents weekend there 
and bottoming out a, a, a Chevy Malibu's, you know, front, you know, grill. Um, it's a unbelievably ruddered, ruddied, you know, uh, it, 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 there's, there's cow crates. That's it's, you know, so I'd sent him out a pickup truck and he was late for work and, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, hit a rut, flipped it, um, smashed the car like a tin can and walked away with a sprained wrist. Right. Another time he went, he was hiking up and have a soup high and he was helping. And the leader who should have known better, who was a, you know, well-known wilderness guy, let the kids go into a, uh, in, in, into a couple of mine shafts or mines and abandoned mines up in Indian country. And Christopher actually went down a mine shaft and fell 30 feet. It was a hundred foot mine shaft. He ended up on a ledge. And that's when he said, he told me when this was, and I flown out and spent the week with him. And while he physically healed and surgeries and such, and he, you know, he told me about a guy in white who was with him the entire time. And I asked the kids at the ranch, you know, who were there? And I said, who, who was that went down with Chris? I want to thank him. He goes, nobody was down with Chris. Chris was on his own. So it was only after Chris transitioned that I realized that was an angel. You know, so that was the second. And Rene Russo, who wrote a wonderful book called uh, The Happy Medium. And I read it early on. And she had explained that the third NDE is usually the one that causes you to transition. You know, why do you run out of hall passes? You know, Jeff, there, I'm about ankle Six and a half years later, I'm about maybe ankle deep in the knowledge of the metaphysical. There's so much more to learn. And, and there's our rules that I don't know. You know, why, why can God intervene sometimes? But after the second one, why he can't? I don't know. When I cross over, maybe I'll know and I'll give you, uh, I'll nudge you and we can, we can finish this up. But, you know, so those are his two. And, and the third one was just, you know, that I, you know, why did three, four beautiful boys have to transition that January 3rd? Um, I know that there was a soul contract, or I believe, or I know that they, he had signed a soul contract to leave early. And if he didn't leave that moment, he would have left the next year. And we always had a feeling he wasn't meant to be here long, although we wouldn't even admit it to each other. It's only afterward that Sally and I could ask each other, did you feel that way? And so I know that he has a soul contract. I had a soul contract that said, it, you know, 65 years old, my path is going to be to reaching out and helping parents who've lost kids. You know, wasn't wasn't what I thought was in the cards, you know. Um, but there are rules and, uh, and more will be revealed. I know that. It's interesting that you mentioned that because we talk sometimes about exit points and it sounded like he had a few exit points and finally yeah. took one. I believe firmly. I knew nothing about exit points prior to January 3rd, 2016. Nothing. I firmly believe in exit points. You know, I think it's like a, a highway, right? And you can get off at this exit and maybe the next one. And then the next one says, you know, next rest stop 30 miles. I don't know. But it, 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 you know, but one of those exits you're taking and you've made that deal before. Chris and I made this deal and his mom. Um, on the other side, when we, none of us came into this thing, you know, and, and, and I've had the message by more than one medium, I mean, like three, four, five, who said the reason that Christopher transitioned to 21 is the impact that he has made on people's lives since his transitioning, he could have never accomplished on this side. 
You know, it's a bad trade, by the way. I say it all the time. I would really rather be abysmally ignorant of all things metaphysical and go get a pizza with my kid, right? But, you know, that's a bell that can't be unrung. It's, that wasn't my choice. I, well, maybe I was part of the choosing, but it was before I was on this side, you know? So, um, you know, there's, you know, so that when people say to me, it's not fair, I go, fair is where you go to eat candy corn and ride the merry ground. Fair doesn't fit into this, you know? And, and, and it's true, you know? So we did agree to this, you know, not on this side, but, but prior. And I don't look like a guy that would talk about soul contracts and exit points, but dang, I am. It's amazing to think about his exiting early set you into this position to be helping so many people. Yeah. And he continues to help so many people. You know, I, the Buffalo Bills, as I said, we grew up, he's got a logo of the Bills on his grave. In 94, he and a bunch of college guys drove to Detroit because a game was being played there because it snowed out in Buffalo. They had a great time. And yesterday, the same thing happened. The Buffalo was playing against Cleveland in, in, in uh, Detroit. And all of a sudden, I get a text and, and pictures from three of his friends who said, look, we want to honor Chris. And so they drove from Chicago to Detroit, you know, left at four o'clock in the morning to go to the game with their Chris McQuillan t-shirts on, you know, I mean, that's an impact that matters, you know. Has he ever mentioned seeing angels or any other non-human intelligent beings on the other side? Yes. And what he told me, he described angels. He said, dad, the best way to describe angels is angels are like beautiful dogs. You know, dogs only there to love you and provide love and happiness and joy. And you see them, they make you feel better. He said, that's what angels are. They're like perfect dogs. They're there to bring love to you. He said, and dad, they're real. You know, the one that he saw in the mine shaft was an angel and they're real. So yeah, he has talked about angels. All right. Did you plan on writing the second book? I didn't plan on writing the first book, you know? So after the first book, that's a great, you have great questions, Jeffrey. You should Thank do you. this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> so after the first book, I was feeling a little melancholy. What a great term, right? Because um, I was finishing up and I thought, what if after this project's over, the connection, you know, dissipates? right? It was a horrible thought. And, but I knew I had to finish the book and I promised I would finish it by, by uh, Father's Day of 2018. And so I'm finishing it. I get a message that says, don't worry, Pop. This connectional, this connectional go on forever. We're not done yet. We'll be writing until you cross. So all of a sudden that, that lifted, you know, and, uh, and I knew as long as I wrote, he was going to be writing with me. And we're on a third book called uh, One Foot in Both Worlds. And, uh, and I just dug back into it and I'm very excited about it again. So, you know, I think it's it's something that, and, and the emails and the texts that I get, uh, my website is joemcquillan.net. A lot of great interviews. Yours will be on it when you send it to me. Um, a lot of, you know, people send me, you know, and it just tells me how maybe a conversation I had, you know, changed their, their, their spiritual life or their path. And then I know Chris and I have done our job, right? You know, it's like St. Paul said, uh, 
I have run my race. You know, I've been poured out like a libation. And when I read those, I feel like, yep, I did my race. You know, I'm not ready to go. But if I did, I know I did left spreading God's, being true to God and spreading Christopher's messages, you know, which is uh, not a bad deal. You mentioned that you're working on your third book. Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? Well, no, you know, when I tell you, go to Amazon and, and this is in all humility. They're two of the best books written on the metaphysical because they're written kind of a boots on the ground kind of experience walking through it. So, you know, I've researched a lot of stuff, but it's stuff. It's, it's the journey that I've experienced. So it's easy to read. You know, there'll be moments that you laugh. There'll be moments that you cry, especially if you lost a kid, but they're important books. So, you know, get them, you know, they're on audible, they're on Kindle, um, the third book, um, I, I am, in, you know, going to write a screenplay. We'll see what happens. Um, I was in the middle one before and I got the message that Chris didn't really want that. He wanted it in, in book form. Mm-hmm. So we'll continue to do what he wants me to do. And I think maybe he wanted the third book to be done and then combine them all. And, you know, I don't want it in some cheesy made for TV movie, but, you know, The Shack was an amazing movie. The movie... What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams and Cuba mm-hmm. Gooding Jr. You know, the best part of that movie was when Robin Williams, you know, crosses over due to an accident and Cuba Gooding's a spirit guy. And, and, and Robin couldn't understand what, what, you know, what that was all about and, 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 and how it happens. And, and, and Cuba Gooding said to him, look, you know, the word body comes from the word bodic, meaning a structure. He said, so you're in your house. You aren't your house. If your house falls down, you get up and you walk away. And that really made it crystal clear for kind of a simple guy. What happens? That Christopher's body fell down and he walked up, got up and walked away. You know, I thought that I had discovered <laughs> I thought that I had discovered that we're, we're spiritual beings in a, in a human experience until I saw that, that Pierre Deschardins quoted in the, like, uh, in, in, in the 1920s that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. He was a Catholic priest and an author, and he ran out of favor of the Catholic Church because of that thinking. You know, that we're spiritual beings, which actually aligns with the church's teaching. So I don't know why they get a little huffy about it. You know, this is a meat suit we're running around in and it will fail, you know, but our energy and our spirit keeps going, you know, and I do believe you asked about reincarnation. I believe in my heart of hearts. I, I don't know why I know this, but it's our choice. If we want to cross and we're done, we're done. If we want to cross and hang out for a while and decide, I want to go back to earth school and learn some more things or heal more or fix things, then we go back. But it's our call. We're not imposed upon to go, you know, do somebody's will that way. We make the call. And if we're tired and we run out, you know, have a nice retirement over there. Well, Joe, before we finish up, <laughs> can you leave us with one last positive message? 
the ones you love are still right here. They're here. They're around you. Be aware. Look for the signs. Try to feel it. Don't dismiss it as, as imagination. You know, understand that we're limited in our thinking. So let your mind and heart take you to places that maybe you don't think is possible, right? But we're here. You know, there's a lot of a lot of energy on the side that's waiting to connect with you. Um, be open to it. Joe, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. I couldn't have enjoyed it more. And thanks for sharing Christopher's message. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.